The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, uh, with my producer, Ricky Herrera. Good Monday morning, Ricky. Good morning, Vic. How are you, man? I'm well. Life's good. Ready to take on the week. Talk about some uh, some things happening in the world, in our nation, in our state, and in our city. Um, Let's do it. Yeah, the first one was sort of a came as a surprise to me out of nowhere. Last week, the nation of Latvia, former Soviet Republic, Eastern Europe, became the first European nation to elect an openly gay president. I mean, this is just huge. Uh, there have been other prominent uh, elected officials all through Europe, but uh, not a head of state. So Latvia, uh, of all places, becomes the first one uh, to do so. And that's sort of very surprising. Good for them. Yeah, I was just interested uh, reading about it. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh Rinka Vix Edgars is his first name. He served as the um, the foreign minister since 2011, and right. they're saying that the the position of president is um, essentially ceremonial, but they do have uh, veto legislation and can call for referendums. Um, and the weird thing is, gay marriage is illegal in Latvia. And I know it's gone through the constitutional courts, but regardless, uh, I think it's just a great day for for that country, for, for the world, for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a step forward, especially in this uh, climate that we are in right now. Uh, there's this um, sort of anti-LGBTQ um, storm that's been brewing all over the place. Let's not talk about our own nation. Former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani, uh, also one of uh, President Trump's closest advisors. Uh, so uh, Washington, D.C. committee recommends uh, revoking uh, Giuliani's license uh, over his attempt to overturn the 2020 election. Of course, they're basing this on Giuliani aggressively pursuing uh, the false assertions Trump made about his defeat you know, claiming that the, there was massive fraud in the election, but, you know, showing no evidence of it. Of course, there have been many investigations and have all come to the same conclusion that there was no fraud. They're recommending that the his license be revoked. Uh, and I think it should be. I mean, Giuliani was just for a couple of months there. He was just, uh, you know, out of control with just saying anything to you know, get their agenda forward with nothing to really back it. Yeah. And as a, a sworn officer of the court, I just remember how popular he used to be, man, when he was mayor of New York. After 9-11. Uh, and I would call this such a downfall. And like what we're going to remember Giuliani for. The guy was on an episode of Seinfeld at one point. You know, he was extremely popular and beloved. And in terms of like 
being a sworn officer of the court to be so reckless regarding his claims of election fraud. Uh, Among other things, even before that. Yeah, I don't think this is actually enough. Actually, I'm surprised that it hasn't been revoked so far. I thought what he was doing was almost criminal. Well, it was criminal. I mean, I mean, it was this kind of rhetoric, this, these lies that he said he told and, and Trump told um, are what caused the January 6th incidents that people, you know, lost their lives. Uh, so it's, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone high profile like him should get away with it. Uh, of course, you know, justice isn't always fair, but uh, I hope they they do something about it. Speaking of undesirable people, you have a Donald Trump's 14 promises that he supposedly is making to the American people should he be elected president. Want to go over those? Yeah. So I read an interesting article over the weekend, essentially outlining uh, promises Donald Trump has made to the American people on his latest campaign for the presidency. As everyone knows, this would be his second term as president. Um, so I wanted to go over some of these promises he's made and the exact quotes. Number one, drug cartels. Mm -hmm. Quote, the drug cartels are waging war on America, and it's now time for America to wage war on the drug cartels. Interesting. Next one, education. Quote, when I am president, we will put parents back in charge and give them the final say. Three, gender care. I will revoke every Biden policy promoting the chemical castration and sexual mutilation of our youth. Oh, my God. And <laughs> in all 50 states. End quote. Next, crime. So he uses an interesting word here. Um, so, quote, if Marxist prosecutors refuse to charge crimes and surrender our cities to violent criminals, I will not hesitate to send in federal law enforcement to restore, restore peace and public safety. End quote. Next, foreign policy. Quote, shortly after I win the presidency, I will have the horrible war between Russia and Ukraine settled. <laughs> you know, because he, he, end quote. He has uh, stellar negotiation skills. Right. <laughs> one of my personal favorites is the next one. Um, new cities and flying cars. We've talked about the flying cars before. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, so he's just very ambitious considering he spends half the week golfing. So, quote, I want to reopen the frontier, reignite American imagination, and give hundreds of thousands of young people and other people, all hardworking families, a new shot at home ownership, and in fact, bring back the American dream. End quote. Which one? The one where you don't pay any taxes and hardworking families do? Uh, this should be like a stand-up uh, piece, like a stand-up routine for comedian. Next, deep state. Quote, when I am president, this whole rotten system of censorship and information control will be ripped out of the system at large. There won't be anything left. End quote. Next, trade. Quote, we charge them an eye for an eye, a tariff for a tariff, same exact amount. End quote. 
Next, economy. Quote, with victory, we will again build the greatest economy ever. It will take place quickly, too. We will build the greatest economy ever. <laughs> he, he repeated himself. I did not repeat that. <laughs> Next, government reform. Quote, I will promise to fire the unelected bureaucrats. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and shadow forces who have weaponized our justice system like it has never been weaponized before. End quote. Wow, some big words thrown around, some big yeah. words. Okay, next, the Second Amendment. Uh, thanks for hum humoring me, everyone. <laughs> okay, Second Amendment. This is fun. Quote, I will take Biden's executive order directing the federal government to target the firearms industry. I will rip it up and throw it out on day one. End quote. I think he literally will rip up uh, whatever piece of paper he can find. <laughs> For you know, dr dramatic, yeah, dramatic effect. Okay, next, equity. Quote, I will create a special team to rapidly review every action taken by federal agencies under Biden's equity agenda that will need to be reversed. We will reverse almost all of them. End quote. Wow. Okay, ooh, ooh, next, China. Quote, when I'm president, I will ensure that America's future remains firmly in America's hands, just as I did when I was president before. End quote. Because, you know, China dictates what we do. Wow. The claims he makes. Okay. Next. Pharmaceuticals. Quote, I want to end this global freeloading on American consumers for once and for all. End quote. So a, a lot of. Trump's uh, pharmaceutical policies when he was president were overturned by Biden. Uh, so, yeah, that's it, man. Wow. That's it. 14 promises. So he really uh, tackled some some big issues. And um, he lives on a different uh, planet or something. It's just unbelievable. This guy doesn't. Well, of course, he has no awareness of the damage he did to the nation in, in four years and uh, has no concept of what can and cannot be done by a president. Uh, and of course, all of that is uh, from the angle of how is it going to benefit him? You know, he's cool with uh, uh, media censorship uh, if it's the so-called liberal media. And one of the ways he demeans the so-called liberal media is, you know, calling it fake news just because they're reporting facts uh, that don't uh, suit him. Lord, that that is that's just comedy. That's just a great comedic uh, 14 promises. Thanks for reading that. That was really that was fun. Yeah. Anyways, I'm going to remind everyone that uh, my interview with Jirai Retavosian is coming up. Uh, Jirai is a very impressive uh, person who's been a, a public servant for many years. He comes from a um, an incredible background in uh, policy, politics. Um, his last job was with the State Department. He's worked for Congresswoman uh, Barbara Lee. You know, he has a, a doctorate from Johns Hopkins University. So he's a, he's a very impressive person, and he's running for the House of Representatives, District 30, for Congressman Schiff's seat. So my interview is um, coming up. The Blunt Post with Vic. Keep KPFK strong on the web. 
Digital services cost KPFK real money. KPFK is more than what you hear on the radio. At kpfk.org, you can listen to our live stream along with our on-demand content whenever you like. These digital services are free for you, but they cost us more money each year. For all of those times you've gone to kpfk.org, discovered new information, and shared it with others, please consider making a donation today. Just click the Donate button at kpfk.org. Thank you. Greetings, sisters and brothers. This is Robbie D. In 1989, I was shooting the documentary First Strike, Portrait of an Activist. My attempts at getting any sort of news coverage for the heroic acts of Katya Kamsarik breaking into Vandenberg Air Force Base and destroying several Navstar guidance systems went nowhere. There was not one print, television, or radio outlet that would advise the public of this disarmament action that was in full compliance with international law. Nobody, that is, except for KPFK. Our brave and wise radio station broke the news embargo. The subsequent press coverage allowed the public to learn of the illegal U.S. policy of first-strike targeting of other nations with nuclear weapons. Never underestimate the importance of the genuine free press. KPFK is the real deal. Peace out. There's a lot to be thankful for. If you're thankful for the old family vehicle, you can let it help one more time by donating it to the KPFK Vehicle Donation Program. The proceeds will help KPFK continue the quality programming you depend on throughout the year. The vehicle donation number is 877-KPFK-AUTO. That's 877-573-5288. Our representative will take care of everything. That number again is 877-KPFK-AUTO or donate online at kpfk.org. The Blunt Post with Vic. Born and raised in Hollywood, Jirai Ratavosian graduated from UCLA and has a doctoral degree in public health from Johns Hopkins. President Biden appointed him as the most senior Armenian-American official at the State Department. Uh, He has served as the legislative director to Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Uh, He's been a grassroots community organizer and an activist. Uh, And now he is running for the House of Representatives, District 30 in California, which is the open seat vacated by Congressman Schiff or will be as Congressman Schiff is running for for Senate, for uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein's seat. Good morning, Jirai. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? Hi, Vic. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. Thanks for um, uh, taking the time and congrats on your uh, campaign for Congress, District 30. Uh, How's that going? Thanks so much. Yeah, it's been just a little over a month and it's it's quite exhilarating. It's been, um, you know, nonstop uh, talking to voters, uh, attending events, uh, being on the phone, fundraising, of course. Uh, I feel really, really energized. I haven't felt this energized in a long time, actually. So it's going well. That's awesome. Now, I heard that you you had this great job at the State Department, but you had so much passion to Uh, to do this uh, at this very time that you sort of quit and decided to um, to start your campaign for Congress. 
I know of similar decisions people have made and have you know gone on to do great things. Uh, what what led you to that? And uh, uh, yeah, just tell me all about it. Yeah, well, thanks, Vic. Yeah, I did. I did have a good job at the State Department. I was an appointee for for President Biden. I, I was very active in the Biden campaign, and I had a chance to serve on the um, what they call the presidential transition team when you go from one president to another. Uh, and then and then soon after that, when the administration started, they offered me a job in the State Department. It was a, a dream of mine to, to to be able to to work in the State Department. And and I and I took it up and um, I was there for just about two years uh, and uh, involved in a lot of global health security issues, uh, issues related to pandemics, uh, the covid pandemic, uh, HIV AIDS, gender equality. So worked with a lot of foreign governments around uh, these kinds of issues. It was a great job. I, When I learned about the, the, uh, this race and, and, and um, Congressman Adam Schiff uh, declaring his interest to, to, to run for Senate, um, I realized it was one of those openings that happen very rarely, where you have a chance to be able to serve uh, the community that you're from. And this is my hometown. Uh, it, you know, in Congress to, to fight for their issues. Um, I, I began making some phone calls and inquiring about the race and who's in and who's out. And, um, you know, as, as an Armenian myself, you know, and this district includes the most number of Armenians, I assumed that there would be many Armenians in the race um, because I believe there should be. And was quickly surprised to find out that there weren't and, and many were uh, pointing at me to enter the race. So, you know, I had to, to look at... Um, uh, where things stood with, with regards my, to my job. I had to talk to my fiance, I had to talk to my parents and family and uh, and really ultimately decided that uh, this was an opportunity for me to continue my lifelong uh, commitment to service uh, in a kind of capacity that was uh, very familiar to me because I had already worked in Congress. Yeah, th- that is after Congressman Schiff starting to run for Senate that there would be no other Armenian, but yourself in it. So that begs the question. So Congressman Schiff is is a beloved uh, uh, congressman from District 30. Uh, his his district has a, a a huge sort of a number of Armenian uh, Armenian American constituents, as well as LGBTQ, because it it goes down to West Hollywood. And you're also happen to be gay, and you're Armenian American, uh, which is sort of um, I guess it's a blessing in, in in that sense that you know the community, you know the communities that you're going to serve aside from uh, everyone else. So I just have to sort of put you on the spot for now. Filling Congressman Schiff's shoes is not an easy, right? Hey, absolutely. <laughs> what does what does that uh, look like for you or feel like for you? Yeah, no. Well, thank you for framing the question that way. I, you know, I think... Um... We're really lucky to have a member of Congress like Adam Schiff, not only to fight for issues, you know, in in, in this district. In this district, just for your your listeners, it includes Burbank, Glendale. Um, you mentioned West Hollywood. It includes all of Hollywood, parts of Pasadena, uh, as well as Sunland and and Tahunga as well. And, and I lived in in Sunland for for ten years. Um, he's been a superb representative of the communities in the district, but. We've had the added bonus that he's been a foreign policy leader for us. He's been a democracy defender for our country. You know, the way he stood up against Donald Trump and and the insurrectionists 
the way he stood up for Armenian issues, for other foreign policy uh, issues, is something you don't usually see in a lot of members of Congress. So with him, we had that unique uh, u- unique um, uh, skill set that that he brought to, to the issue. So there are big shoes to fill. Um, I've worked in Congress uh, myself um, for four years. I've worked at the State Department, and I, as I said, and 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 I have a, a lot of foreign policy experience working um, in the in the private sector as well, working with foreign governments to be able to to create partnerships for for uh, HIV and hepatitis. And so I have that unique um, set of experiences that that are similar to what um, uh, we've we've been accustomed to in 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 this congressional seat. And and I'm hoping to bring that experience that I have from Washington, my foreign policy experience, and as you said, my lived experience as being uh, openly gay, by being um, a son of immigrants, by, by being Armenian. I, I speak Armenian fluently. I went to three Armenian schools in Los Angeles. I'm bringing all of that to the table. And, and uh, we've seen firsthand, uh, we saw it last week with the Supreme Court decisions, uh, and I'm happy to talk about that, but we've seen firsthand why representation matters. Repre- representation comes in all different forms, uh, but I believe strongly that at the end of the day, Congress and our government has to look like the people it's trying to serve. And and yeah. this race is one important part of that story. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you're listening to my interview with Jirai Batavosian, uh, who is a candidate for uh, U.S. House of Representatives District 30, uh, which is uh, Congressman Schiff's district, uh, as Congressman Schiff is running for Senate. And we're just talking about Jirai's plans, his agenda, different positions that he has, and such. Yeah, you also bring in, I mean, you went to CLA, which is, you know, not an easy school to get into. And you have a doctorate degree from uh, Johns Hopkins. Uh, in public health, um, which is, you know, it's always top one of the top five issues that uh, is in, that are important to uh, to any voter. So let's sort of sort of look at it from a different uh, perspective. Looking at District Thirty, right? Because nothing can ever be perfect. What do you think the weaknesses are? What do you think that you would um, sort of uh, improve on, as it is now? Yeah, no, I, there there are a lot of issues, Vic, and you know, I when I entered the race, I talked a lot about um, how I am my grandfather's American dream, right? We people talk about the American dream a lot, and that means something. That means different things to different people. I want to acknowledge that, but for my grandfather, um, he and his family, my mom and dad, they all came to this country um, looking for a second chance. My mom's side. They escaped um, civil war in Lebanon. My my father's side, they were anti-communist activists, and they got exiled to Siberia, which is where my father was born. and And they they ultimately escaped and came came to the United States. They came to California. They came to Hollywood. And um, so America really gave them a second chance at life. And they, my parents worked hard. We were we were working class families. Uh, my parents worked two jobs actually to put me. Uh, and my sister through school. I I have fond memories of of my grandparents actually raising me, and my and my my grandfather picking me up from Alex Bilibo School in Hollywood, and that's because my parents were working until six seven p.m. Right, and but for them it worked. They worked hard. They they we we took advantage of of of, of their sacrifices. We went to good schools. Um, I was able to benefit from 
um, from um, uh, federal uh, grants because uh, because we were low income. Uh, I took student loans and I got a great education. I went to UCLA, go Bruins, as you as you mentioned. I think um, and 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 further 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 education as well. And and I got great jobs. But that story is becoming harder and harder for people to to to, to experience. Uh, and and there are a number of challenges, even though uh, we've come uh, you know very far. I, Homelessness is top of mind for me and and many constituents in this district. Um, housing crisis is um, is is a major major issue. It's, it obviously contributes to to the homelessness crisis, but but many families are trying to buy homes and they can't. My own sister is struggling to buy uh, buy their first home because costs have gone up. Um, the cost of living in general has gone up with groceries and gas. Um, we have an educational crisis. Students are burdened with student loans. Uh, we saw what the Supreme Court did last week, and and now they're struggling to to catch up from COVID and 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 figure out how to support their own families. I think also um, I'm, I want to be a champion for small businesses. I've talked to a lot of small business owners, um, and I believe that small businesses are the heartbeat of cities. Uh, and 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 they're they're struggling with crime. They're struggling with um, rebounding from COVID, and we need to create uh, incentives to be able to 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 revitalize the way businesses are supporting our cities and how our cities are functioning as well. And I think when we do these things, um, uh, we'll be able to feel uh, the benefits of how Congress um, can can work for ordinary people. That's not happening right now. I think Congress is out of touch uh, with, with, with everyday Americans. When I entered the race, people said, are you crazy? You're leaving the State Department to go to Congress? Congress? What's, Congress is broken. Congress doesn't work for me. And, and that was really heart, heartbreaking because as dysfunctional as Congress can be, I'm not cynical about what it can be, you know, and I've seen Congress work. I've been part part of um, congressional initiatives that have been bipartisan for HIV, for foreign policy. So I've seen how it can work for people. And that's the kind of experience that I want to bring to be able to address some of these challenges that I mentioned. That's a hefty, hefty uh, agenda. Certainly, it's, it's it all, um, I mean, all of it. It's so important the disintegration of the middle class you know the the fact yeah. that middle class working class have a hard time purchasing a home in la an average three-bedroom house in la is upwards of a million and i'm not talking about in top-notch neighborhoods or a brand new house or anything like that and yeah. that's just uh it's becoming more and more the american dream is becoming uh un- almost unreachable uh, you'd have to be in upper middle class and more like, you know, 250,000 and more and higher uh, income bracket. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you're listening to my interview with Jirai Batavosian, who is a candidate for uh, U.S. House of Representatives District 30, uh, which is uh, Congressman Schiff's district. Uh, as Congressman Schiff is running for Senate. And we're just talking about Jirai's plans, his agenda, different positions that he has and such. So uh, let's just going back. I mean, I, I wasn't going to ask you this, but it occurred to me that I would rem- I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. You know, as I think some of our listeners know as well with... Um, but the current situation in Artsakh, formerly known as Nagorno-Karabakh, where Azerbaijan has uh, is essentially carrying out a 
what I call the resumption of the Armenian genocide by holding hostage about 120,000 Armenians, indigenous Armenians, 30,000 of them children. And regardless mm. of, of all the quote-unquote calls for them to uh, unblock the blockade and such from different nations and leaders and international court of justice, it's just not happening. You know, Azerbaijan's oil and gas and lobby power uh, and such and, and, and their allies, such as Turkey, they have a lot more influence. And so I'm just wondering, as someone who used to work for the State Department and has been appointed by President Biden, why yeah. haven't we heard a word from President Biden about this when he's been very vocal about the invasion of Ukraine? Yeah, no, it's a it's a very fair question, Vic, and and I think that we all have to ask ourselves this question as we consider you know the, this upcoming election. I think um, this twenty twenty four election and and this district in particular, because of the fact that there are the most number of Armenians in this district than any other district in the country, this is the most important election for 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 the future of Armenia and for Armenian issues that we that that Armenians care about. Um, that some of that is foreign policy, and but Armenians are also business owners. Armenians are teachers. Armenians are um, uh, they're, they're coaches. You know, they 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 work in hospitals, and so it's foreign policy is not just the only issue. But right now, it is a difficult time for Armenia, and it's on top of mind for 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 many of us and and for our allies as well. Um, you know, I think what's happening now is that there is a, and I was just in Washington, and and I uh, and I attended a reception with Secretary Blinken and, and and talked to him about Armenia. By the way, this I haven't talked about this publicly yet, but this was just you know a few days ago, four or five days ago. I think what's happening now is that the White House is looking at the State Department to be able to lead um, this peace agreement between between the parties, but. But we're we're all very concerned about what uh, what that could look like, and we, we've we've seen um, what what some actors have already uh, uh, you know talked about in terms of how that agreement can come together, and and I think I think there's there's still a lot to 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 to, to unfold. Um, I think that's why you see the State Department in a, in a leadership role, and 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 the White House playing a behind the scenes um, supportive role uh, right now. I was. But it seems like the the State Department is just. Uh determined to send 120,000 Armenians to the slaughter, which history has shown us uh, over and over again that any Armenians living in Turkey or under rule of Azerbaijan are either killed or expelled. Uh, And yet somehow uh, we're hearing these fantastical uh, hopes, as the U.S. ambassador to Armenia said, we hope that Armenians can live uh, safely under Azerbaijani rule. Well, <laughs> would you take hope uh, and go live there? So uh, states, the state of Artsakh were invaded. Artsakh having been invaded a year and a half before Ukraine, the language um, for Ukraine is so much more, it's louder, it's different. And for Armenia, it's it's muted and it's, um, it's biased because when you do both sides on that's a form of bias. So, um, you know, I mean, I voted for President Biden uh, and I am deeply, deeply disappointed by his administration. Uh, Secretary Blinken has, uh, I think the harshest thing he said uh, about the situation where Armenians are being slaughtered is that he is deeply concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Vic, I just, let me, 
just add a couple of things. And I generally agree with, with, with your characterization. I, I wanted to add that, you know, when I was on the transition team, I was part of the policy team that took directive from President Biden directly on the Armenian genocide recognition. And uh, the irony is that 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 while that was a big move on behalf of the administration, there's still a long way to go, right? So I know that President Biden himself was invested in the Armenian issues back then, and I hope that we um, we can reinsert that kind of um, uh, attention that we had at that election, you know, now um, because I agree with you that the uh, the Aliyev government doesn't stand for peace. Um, hope is not something you you sign a peace agreement on, and and we need an international framework uh, to to monitor the peace. I think, but even with President Biden, I mean, he recognized the Armenian genocide. I think that was inevitable because uh, the House and the Senate had recognized it in 2019 overwhelmingly. The Senate unanimously, and the House almost unanimously. Uh, I think uh, that was a campaign promise. But unfortunately, a week after he. Uh, uh, recognized the Armenian genocide, he turned around and waived Section 907 of the Freedom Act and gave Azerbaijan $100 million for uh, so-called military um, aid, knowing that that's going to be used uh, to kill Armenians and, uh, you know, and did it again the next year. Um, so I'm, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I guess, you know, I, I wanted to see if you had any insight knowledge of, of that. I mean, we know about politics, but any insight knowledge as to like his, uh, you know, his, uh, his uh, just being so quiet about it. We haven't heard a word from him. Well, you know, what I would say is we don't have an Armenian at the table. Right. And I think that really makes a difference. Uh, we don't have and, and this is this is partly why I'm running. I, I think it's we need an Armenian voice in Congress. Uh, we need that kind of Armenian leadership to be able to drive these issues. And and I think in Washington, Vic, what I've seen is um, other governments or present themselves in a very organized fashion in terms of how they lobby government, how they have they lobby think tanks in Washington. Uh, you know, Armenians have to really look at the way we 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 present and show up uh, in Washington, and that includes all different levels of government including the Congress and the White House. And that's why I, I, I've i always tried to support, you know, the fellowships that ANCA has and others that create pathways for Armenians to come into the center of power. That's how we ultimately try to change the, that kind of calculation that you're that you're talking about. Um, okay. Yeah. And I think um, I think I think I'm, I'm optimistic that that we, we can. And I think we have to show when I, what I told Secretary Blinken is that this district has uh, the most number of Armenians, and 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 they need to understand that Armenians uh, were politically active, were were civically engaged, were were voters, and and we have to demonstrate our power. But if we don't do that, then then we we take advantage, we we lose the advantage that we have to be able to, to be able to shape policy in that way. That's why the election is so important. Absolutely, this this is a very important election. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK ninety point seven FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami. And you're listening to my interview with Jirai Ratavosian, uh, who is a candidate for uh, U.S. House of Representatives District 30, uh, which is uh, Congressman Schiff's district, uh, as Congressman Schiff is running for Senate. And we're just talking about Jirai's plans, his agenda, different positions that he has, and such. So, um, 
what are what are some of the things like what's coming up for you in this campaign? Well, I, so I just had my first month. I, I had um, an ambitious fundraising goal for me in my first month, and I wanted to show uh, that I could fundraise at the you know at the same rate that some of the other candidates were were were, were raising, including some of the um, the ones who entered in, in in January. And I'm happy to say that we announced that I blew through that fundraising goal, and so we have a lot of momentum. Um, one thing I wanted to mention that I didn't earlier is that I'm going to be engaged a lot on healthcare issues. I have a doctoral degree in public health, as you mentioned. I've worked on HIV my whole life. Uh, I've worked on, uh, on on infectious diseases my whole life, and and I want to be able to um, to visit um, um, hospitals. I want to visit the LA Gay and Lesbian Center. I've already engaged with them to understand how they're addressing some of the housing crisis uh, uh, in 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 West Hollywood. Uh, and I want to 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 put healthcare issues on the map and and, and really bring together physicians, nurses, hospitals, uh, to be able to unpack um, uh, some of these these issues. So I plan to do that in the coming weeks. I'm going to be meeting with um, a lot of Armenian community leaders as well in in different cities. I'm going to be attending Rotary uh, meetings. I used to be a Rotarian myself, so I want to engage with business leaders to understand what some of the challenges are for small businesses. Uh, and I also um, I'm also continuing to fundraise, of course, as you know, that's the, all of this is just a dream. It takes money. It takes money. money. It's the reality. Exactly. So a lot of community engagement, a lot of, 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 of creating opportunities for people to ask me questions about what I stand for and, and my background. I want to just put myself out there and make myself available uh, to as many different communities and people as possible. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you're listening to my interview with Jirai Batavosian, uh, who is a candidate for uh, U.S. House of Representatives District 30, uh, which is uh, Congressman Schiff's district, uh, as Congressman Schiff is running for Senate. And we're just talking about Jirai's plans, his agenda, different positions that he has and such. And uh, if people want to volunteer or help or get in touch, uh, if you can t- tell us your website. Oh, yeah, sure. Thank you. It's, so it's uh, the website is girar4ca.com. That's my first name, J-I-R-A-I-R-4ca.com. Uh, you can also uh, if you just Google it. The website will come up. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Is it number four or F-O-R? F-O-R. 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 So, okay. F-O-R-C-A.com. Gerard4ca.com. Excellent. Also on Twitter, Instagram, and 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 we we're, we're we're building a grassroots team. I'm not surrounded by high-powered consultants. By this is this is this this campaign is is powered by people. I've been overwhelmed by by um, the number of volunteers that have offered to help me and and that are part of 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 all this community engagement that I'm doing, including a lot of leaders here in LA as well. That's fantastic. Is there a question I should have asked that I missed? Or anything you want to add? Let's talk about let's talk about Supreme Court. Is that a topic that you want to uncover, or is that too complicated? Absolutely. I mean, what's there to talk about? <laughs> I'm being facetious. I mean, Donald Trump. You know, you had you had President Obama who had a year to appoint someone, and the Republicans uh, bullied him and said, "Oh, you don't have enough time." Uh, Donald Trump uh, appointed four mega conservatives. Right. have done some of the most unfathomable things, including, you know, including overturning Roe versus Wade, 
and uh, attacking all kinds of uh, LGBTQ rights that we've fought so hard to to get for the last 20, 30 years. Um, and and this latest one that you were mentioning, obviously, uh, makes it OK to a certain degree for businesses to refuse service to LGBTQ Americans. Yeah, no, I, I think. Well, thank you for reminding the listeners about the history of how we got here. Right. And and, and I do believe the Supreme Court right now is is hijacked and, and broken. And um, so I support a lot of the reform efforts that Adam Schiff and others have been putting forward in terms of term limits. Um, ethics rules uh, and and expanding the court as well. Uh, these decisions are are impacting everyday everyday people, um, and, and including m- myself, as you mentioned. And 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 people need to to really pay attention. And 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 again, um, look to make sure that you're registered to vote. Uh, if you're not registered to vote, make sure to do that as soon as possible. And and engage in the civic process. I believe. Um, that that we can make the Supreme Court work better, we can make Congress work better. But if you're just on the st- sidelines, that's not how democracy can work, right? I'm getting married in October, Vic, and what my partner and I had to do this past weekend is call every single one of our vendors to make sure that they were not pulling out of our gay wedding. I mean, how how sad is that? And, and ridiculous. I'm, it's ridiculous that you have to do that. Right. And so that's not the, the kind of society that anyone wants to live in. And when one of us is discriminated against, we all are discriminated against. And so we still have a long way to go, even though there's been tremendous progress to, to celebrate. Sometimes it's sort of not on the top of uh, average Americans' mind, but their impact um, is, is really powerful. Yeah. Uh, and what we're seeing is uh, is really sad as to what's happening to uh, so much of hard earned, you know, hard earned um, rights and freedom and progress that, that we're seeing just sort of vanish. Um, and I'm sure and I'm sure eventually uh, we will overturn those as well. But um, in the meantime, as you said, it impacts a lot of people in a negative way. You and others, we just got to push and, uh, and not get caught up in the you know, politics as usual, which so much of Congress is stuck yeah. um, in that. But um I wanted to also share that my family and I we watched um we watched your your documentary, Vic. Thanks for for being in Armenia and telling that story um so that more people can be um educated about it and 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 continue to put the pressure on our government and our elected officials at all at all levels. So thanks for what you're doing as well. Oh, thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, my my uh, documentary Motherland, you know, we had a congressional screening for that in September of last year. Hmm. And I actually sent the the screener link the password to all members of Congress, both House and Senate. And, uh, nice. you know, you just hope that you make some sort of a difference, even if it's just like an inch, you know, and I had interviewed seven members of Congress for that, uh, including Congressman Adam Schiff. Uh, which was a big honor. So thanks for mentioning that. Uh, I guess it's a time that we all have to be activists if we want to see change. There's just no other option. Except for you, you're not, you're going above and beyond that. Very courageous to uh, run for office uh, in uh, considering what it takes to just run for office these days. Hey, yeah, I look forward to seeing you around, Vic. Honor for me to be here with you. Thanks for all all that you do as well. Yeah. Take care. Well, that was my interview with uh, Jirai Ratavosian, candidate for the House, District 30. Uh, thank you, Jirai, for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. Uh, good luck to you, and I hope to chat with you again soon.
Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible, and KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic. This is John Crumshow with a special politics or pedagogy education report. You can always pledge your support at kpfk.org. On the line is Christine Parsons. She's a teacher in the high desert, and she teaches social studies during the summer session. Welcome to Politics or Pedagogy. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, the traditional school year in California is 180, and our summer school schedule is 19 days. I have approximately 40 students in two different periods. So one half I have to cover colonial period up through the Great Depression. In the afternoon, the same kids are there. And we do World War II through the Cold War common era. Hopefully we'll get up to the Clinton administration. I was trying to get through the, the high points of the Civil War. I believe in primary sources. So when I used to teach in the classroom for the full 180 days, I liked using the WA recording from Fountain Hughes. Um, He was about 101 years old. And I like to have that primary source from someone who experienced uh, different things. So he had been born um, enslaved and then had a recollection of what it was to be like after emancipation. Um, and he had some interesting insights about, you know, money and finances. So it's found online and I like just to give that kind of personal touch. So that's how we incorporated that. And then in the afternoon we were discussing World War II. So there's certain points that are part of the California state standards, which includes the Holocaust. So I wanted to be sure that they got the major takeaways, um, about the Holocaust. Now, how did the students react to this? It's hard to read them these days. Um, I got a little choked up discussing the Holocaust, and I know I elicited some response to the students. I always try to ask them, you know, to participate, questions, comments, um, but they're not very interactive these days. Is it something that is happening because of social media where people just interact more with a screen than live and in person? It's hard to say. Um I, I believe so. Um, I, I have a very strong rule because we only have 19 days. Like their phones have to be off and away. I do give them five-minute breaks to step outside, stretch, and come back to class. And that is the appropriate time, I say, to check your phones. So um, I was hoping because I have a strict, your phones must be off and away, that they would be more interactive. But um, they haven't been. But again, it's only day three. And it, it takes some time for you to build that rapport with students. On that note, let's hope that uh, we have built rapport with our listening audience and they will listen and then look at their cell phones. Thank you, Christine Parsons, for joining us on Politics or Pedagogy. Thank you for having me. This is John Crumshow with a special Politics or Pedagogy education report.